This is Adam Francis, and you're listening to the Equipped Indoor Podcast on the E2E Radio Network. Stand by for a great show. Hey guys, welcome to another great episode of the Equipped Indoor Podcast, episode 409, with your host Adam Francis and Robert Oliver. Dan Eastland will not be joining us today because, I don't know, why is Dan not joining us, Robbie? Because I, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna do something inventive, like he, you know, he got trapped in a burning building, saving children, and made it out, and had to take the day off. But that just sounds far too heroic for Dan. Well, this, this is take two. I would have thought you would have had something good behind. Well, you know what? I feel a little better now. We had some technical difficulties before. We, it, it caused us to switch computers. So hopefully, the sound quality and everything is going to be at a level that you guys just love, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Dan, Dan actually had a, a family emergency, a death in the family this past weekend, and uh, or latter part of last week, and on through the weekend, because, of course, he doesn't live where his family lives and had mm-hmm. to do some traveling. Yep. And it's put him way behind uh, for getting this week's work done so that he can leave work early this week to go with you to... Right, so what you preach. There you go. There it is. Very excited about getting out in the field. Spring is finally here. We had a long, lonely, dark, snowy winter. Uh, this has been a, a winter for the, the record books, I think. Just just, just cold. I mean, just, you know, I mean, we got some pretty good amount of snow. We didn't get a, the heavy snow like they did up in Massachusetts. Um, it's record-breaking up there. But this was one of those winters where we are all glad that winter is gone. Um well, I was I was actually just thinking about this that this morning, Adam, when I got up. Uh, I I turned the heat off and the all at, at night, and yeah, I'm under blankets. What's it matter if it gets cool in the house? Yeah. And and I got up this morning. It was 55 degrees in the house, and I realized, you know, I'm really comfortable right now. And then that scared me. Holy crap! If I get acclimated to being comfortable at 55 degrees, what am I going to do two months from now when it's 100 <laughs> outside? Yeah, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a hurting puppy, man. I'm gonna be suffering. So, well, you know it happens, but we'll we'll adapt and overcome because that's what we do. Yeah, you know. So let let's see. Now, of course, my other computer now that had the show notes is not is not on. Um, so that that's that there. It's finally restarting. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, Robbie, I'm I'm ready to invest some serious cash in a permanent podcasting station. That's all. Like a, a standalone computer, all that computer does is record and, and publish the podcast. You, you know what, Adam? Uh, that, again, that's it's coincidental when you bring this up. Two days ago, I was I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Now you better be careful. That's dangerous. Yeah, I know. All the what I've got going on on my computer right now that is enough to slow it down. Okay. Okay. How much is really going on there? Because I know you've heard the. The, uh, the the science talk on technology nowadays that says one of our modern smartphones yeah. is more computing power and technology than what NASA used to put the first man on the moon. Yeah. If my phone is more computing technology than what put men on the moon and my laptop is way more than my phone, well, how much computing computing am I doing right now to slow that device down? Well, you know, Skynet is inventing itself, right? So that's where all the all the you know, processing power and the RAM is going to. Skynet so. taking up my bandwidth too. I, I I believe so. I believe so. Skynet is, uh, you know, that's what they're doing, or you know, or the government's hacking your your phone to use its bandwidth to, you know. Hey, you want to hear something funny? 
What's that? One of the leading companies out there in the technology and development of robotics right now mm-hmm. is a company in Japan that is making these exoskeleton suits, and then they're also making robots uh, that are used by the healthcare industry mm-hmm. so that one single nurse has the strength to pick a patient up off the bed and all. Well, the crazy part is the company that's building these robots and, and exoskeleton suits, mm-hmm. their name is Skynet. Really? Yes. Do, do they do that on purpose or is that just They a claim not. They claim not, but nobody believes it. I, that's what I do that. Everybody thinks it's tongue-in-cheek, but they say, no, we didn't. We didn't that, even think about that. That's pretty awesome. That's what I'd do if I had a robotics company. Just for, you know, just for shits and giggles. Right. They'd be Skynet all day long. So uh, the E2E podcast, of course, is brought to you by Dogwood Custom Knives. Check out Dogwood Custom Knives at USA Made Blades, um, Edgeworks, and where's the other one? Dealers at? I can't see the, the website right now, so I can't oh, read Oh, Arizona it. Custom Knives? There you go. <laughs> Oh, man. Threw me for a loop there. I did. Don't, I did. don't ask me questions that involve thinking. I know, man. My, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And of I course, told you li- I did that a couple days ago. I've, I've used that up. And, of course, Live Fire Gear. Check us out at livefiregear.com. We've got some news coming out with the uh, new zipper pulls. Uh, they will be up for pre-order here soon. Uh, so we wanted to make a, a high-grade, nice-quality zipper pull for you guys who uh, are into always having your fire gear with you everywhere you go. So we've taken our live fire and pre-made the zipper pulls for you. So for you to do it yourself, guys, you know, you guys can go out there and buy your zipper pull tags, tabs, or if you're just going to you know, fold your uh, 550 paracord into a zipper pull, have at it. But for those people who want to buy a, a production piece that it's nice and tabbed and will match your coat as it was supposed to be there, we have that option for you too. And Robbie, I was surprised that you you said that that was something that's kind of interest you because you would keep me out of the doghouse. Now, now explain to me how that works. <laughs> if I just tie my clothes together the way is appropriate when I go out with you, mm-hmm. or you know, out with the dogs and everything, as mm-hmm. it turns out, my clothing choices are not always apropos to what my wife feels is uh, good for going out to dinner and things like that. Mm-hmm. So pre-manufactured tabs and stuff like that that I can put on my clothing that my wife will not go. You're not going to actually wear that, are you? So this is this is wife camouflage. She is wife. Why she will not even recognize the fact that I have survival mentality that particular coat. The funny thing is, is start putting them on your wife's coat. You know, then, then yeah. you're even more subtle. You know, it, all, all your backpack zippers, everything. Yeah, well, she she would get a real big kick out of it, Adam, whenever she says, you're actually not taking a bag or anything. When I look at her and go, yeah, I don't need one. I hid everything I need in your clothing. <laughs> don't lose my knife. Uh, yeah, that's, Where that's, is it? I'm not going to tell you. That's right. It's sewn into the liner of your coat. You're going to move it. <laughs> so that'll be coming out here real soon. We're excited about that. And what we know, we have some other technology we're working on and items we're working on from Live Fire, so just stay tuned. We just want to, you know, get out one thing at a time. Don't want to bombard the market. Uh, and also, we want to make sure it's the top quality and everything's perfect for you guys out there. So uh, just keep your eyes out because we have some – Robbie knows about what else is coming. But I'm not allowed yeah, to say anything about it. There's some, there's some cool stuff in the works, and I do appreciate, Adam, the fact that things aren't hitting you. Ten times, you know, ten things at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, generally, and and I hate I hate to 
throw somebody under the bus. UST Survival Technologies. Mm-hmm. Since they've gone in with Walmart, yeah. and all their products are at, at Walmart now, mm-hmm. it's like UST threw up on the market. It's like all this crap at one time, and and it makes me question the quality control. You know, when I see a product, a, a company like Live Fire, they release a product, and they make sure it's right before they move on to something else. That's, yeah, I that's, can have a lot more faith in it. You, that's you know what I'm very, saying? It's very important. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where a lot of guys don't understand how much time and energy goes into manufacturing to make sure that something's right. I mean, even before we started our Kickstarter, we probably had five or six variants of the 550 fire cord um, before we got it right. And even after we, even after the Kickstarter, we're still, you know, making it more perfect, you know, um, you- and and dealing with and dealing with manufacturers and stuff like that, and making sure all the quality control is there. It's it's a process, man. It's exciting, but it is a challenge. It's not you as, know. I don't make easy. anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I make is a mess in life. Mm-hmm. And w- when I see a company that they care about the quality control mm-hmm. of the end product, it it does build a trust in my mind with the company. Yeah. And I'm always going to be much. Uh, I, I'm going to be much quicker to try their next product. You know, that, that 20 bucks that I could spend on, you know, I could eat out twice this week instead of once, or I could buy this product. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be more apt to go, you know what, I, I'll have I'll have a sandwich at the house, I'm buying this. If I know that that company's quality control, if they care about things like that, I'm going to be more excited about whatever the company comes out with next. Mm-hmm. And I have to give it to Live Fire. Consistently, everything I've gotten... You know, from one ten to the next, mm-hmm. it's either been as good or better. Do you it, mean everything? You, you mean everything you and Dan have removed from my home? Yeah, everything I've stolen from you. <laughs> to get each time I, I kleptomaniac myself in your office, uh, it, it it's a better haul than the last time I ripped you off. Well, well, you know, one thing that's important, and we've talked about this before, you know, from E two and everything. When we talk about survival gear and whatever. It's not like we're talking about a video game. You know what I mean? If you don't like the product or if it's not working or meeting your sensibilities, where you know, you're just out a couple bucks. Now, this is a product that somebody's going to go out there and they're going to rely on this product to get them out of a sticky situation if that if that situation presents itself. And that is something that we really take seriously. I mean, fire arguably is, is probably one of the most important. You know, I know we go back and forth between shelter and fire and that, and that whole conversation. But realistically, if you need a fire in a pinch, that's what we're selling. That's what we're trying to do. So it's just one of those situations. Even even to the fire cord, Adam, I remember the very first prototypes of the, the fire cord, mm-hmm. and it worked. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this works. And then by the time you went through several more and we got to uh, the sample I got from the actual production run, it was even better, and that was just over a couple months' time. Yeah, from that prototype to to the finished product. Remember the okay. fir- the first one had no inner strands. It was really super super waxy. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was it's 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 work. It was I, work. honest to Pete. I was I was playing with a piece of fire cord yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a piece that I've had around for a little while, and I realized. The consistency was so good, I actually had to look at the color of the strand mm-hmm. to know which was the fire cord mm-hmm. because it's not that waxy, build-up mess 
that the original prototype I looked at, which yep. was a, a, a working product, no, no yeah. question, it did the job. Yeah. But just the the consistency change between then and and the piece I was looking at yesterday, you know, the the finished product is crazy. Uh, there isn't that waxy build up on there. There's not that excessive amount of 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 not usable product. Yep. It, it's become so refined that I was I was. It's, it's like I said, coincidental. We cut, we're talking about it today because just yesterday I was actually thinking about that. This is pretty cool. This is very refined and, and you know exactly what it needs to be without anything else. You know, the whole goal of that, and I think that we're getting there, is you know it, the the only drawback I could see, and this is the conversation that I have with people about the price is the price. But in essence, you know, you're not buying paracord. You're buying an emergency fire starter. You're buying you know, 25 feet of emergency fire starter. And we sat there and did the math one day of how, how many burns and how many, you know, uh, what you get out of of what um, versus some other fire starters out there. And it's like if you buy, you know, 25-foot hank of fire, of live fire, I mean, um, 5D fire cord, you're getting about two hours worth of, of fire starting for that 12, your 12.95 basic, you know, retail price. I don't know any other product out there, fire starter related, that's going to be shelf stable and be waterproof. Uh, that's going to give you. That's going to give you two hours of fire starter for twelve ninety five. You know, wet fire is not going to do it. It, it I'd first off, it expires. I'd carry you know. it a step further, Adam. What's that? I'd say what you said, and then I'd add on it, and has another use besides fire starter. Th- yeah, that's that's the that's the the bonus. And I mean, is that you have your rope, you have this everywhere, you can carry it, it's compact, you can, you know, take it through the airport if you want to, and it's going to be with you everywhere you go. And the so. part out of it that I, it, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an example of uh, wet fire. Mm-hmm. It would be like, what if when I opened that little full pack of wet fire, mm-hmm. the foil pack was actually useful. Not mm-hmm. the wet fire inside, but the foil pack was actually useful. There's not another fire starter out there that I remove the fire starter, and I'm still if I've got ten feet mm-hmm. of five fifty fire cord and I pull out a ten foot piece of the fire starter, I've now got the shell from that that I could use as as cordage. Mm-hmm. I've got all the inner strands I can tie together and make a fishing line. I mean, you know, I've I've, I've Got the ability to use the packaging the fire starter came in. Yep, that's why. That's, I, that's why I say, uh, you know, why wouldn't you have it? That's 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 my big question for everybody who gets it. Why would you? Why would you not have this? Why would you have regular paracord over this? I so. don't carry. I don't carry regular paracord anymore. That's um, right. I use a lot of bank line and things like that for my disposable cordage in my pack. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a hank of 550 cord. If I need the poundage, I'll use it. Or if I need the fire starter, I'll use it. Mm-hmm. You know, type thing. But I, I don't, I don't see a point in carrying regular 550 cord anymore, since I'm not using that cordage. I, I usually don't need 550 pounds of cordage. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not going to use it, and it's going to be there as my backup anyway, it would be stupid of me <laughs> to carry the regular instead of the fire cord. Yeah, go. it just makes no sense. That's what I think. Well, enough about that, guys. Check it out at livefiregear.com. And uh, see, so you know what? Dan's not here. She's like, I wish you guys talked about, uh, you know. Uh, I'll pimp him. I'll pimp him. 
I happen to know because I've been playing with the uh, most recent prototype for almost two months now. Well, yeah, the, let's, uh, let's talk about that. The Long Hunter, which mm. should uh, debut at uh, Blade Show. I, kn- I knew I could think of it if I just put my mind to it. Blade Show 2015 should be the debut of the Long Hunter, and this knife is about 6.6 or 6.5 inches. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that it has become my go-to knife. You know, Robbie, why, why why doesn't Dan send me one anymore? What's up with that? Well, here, here's the deal, Adam. Um, I, I get the knives to prototype. Yeah. And then I refuse. He collects his prototypes, you know. They're the first oh, I ones. Know, I know. He, he's big on keeping his prototypes. Well, I refuse to send it back until he finish, sends me a finished one to replace it. Well, then you need to send Real it. Real simple. Then you need to send it to me. So after you get yours, you send it to me and say, well, you know, Adam needs to, Adam needs to t- check this out a little bit. You know, this is the, this is the, the reason that Ad, that Dan needs to lay out every once in a while mm-hmm. is so that we can plot against him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not against that. And I know uh, 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 Matthew Gillenwater over there at uh, Reliance mm-hmm. uh, Leatherworks. Mm-hmm. I talked to him just a few days ago, and he said he had just finished up twenty sheaths for Dan's new long hunter pattern. Nice. So not only is the sheath going to be uh the knife going to be available, but the sheath will be available too. So he's he's right on he's plucking right along on that. Uh the, I, I do want to mention the reason one of the major reasons this new design is is kind of tickling my fancy. Mm-hmm. And you know, we often talk big knife small knife. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're not speaking with the best vernacular, I guess, because most of the time when you and I have that conversation, we're talking overly thick knives. Yeah. This knife is no thicker than the rest of stuff Dan's producing. You know, it's available in like one-eighth and three-thirty-seconds thicknesses. But that extra length, the extra two-and-a-half inches there from like a four-inch knife Mm -hmm. to this six-and-a-half, you know, I've got a history of using old hickory knife, a butcher's knives, because yeah. I used the same knife outdoors that I used in the kitchen at, at home. That extra two and a half inches makes that knife a dream to use in the kitchen as well. You know, cut, chopping big big vegetables and things like that, mm-hmm. it, it really gives me a little more reach without any more thickness. Edge geometry, because of the grind, because of the thickness, is perfect. It's nimble, it's light, it's easy to use, but that extra, you know, if I only had another inch, Adam. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was. He's not here, so I had to do it. Well, you know what? I wish you were coming to PWIP now, too, because I want to mess with that blade before uh, before Dan finishes the prototype. I mean, finishes the. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because if he's gonna get, if you're gonna get a, a the the finished one here too, I can play with it here. You know, blade shield be here before we know it. I'm gonna throw Dan under the bus right now. What's that? He well, she, uh he ain't here, so he might as well do it. His his son is actually an amateur knife designer and amateur knife maker, and he's, you know, just a kid. He's like 12, 13 years old, you know, and uh, has got some interest in designs. And, you know, since I work part-time for Dan, proofing designs and testing prototypes and all this, his son said, hey, Mr. Oliver, would you help me? And any time a kid says, Mr. Oliver, will you help me, of course, you know, Johnny on the spot. And I was looking at his designs and playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, as we finished the designs, I asked a question. That, so, uh, 
what blade steel are you going to use for these? Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know. My dad says this and that and the other. And I was like, you know what you need? CPM3V. <laughs> so basically, I taught Dan's kid into using CPM3V so that Dan won't have to buy a CPM3V. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have him make my uh, uh, production or my finished uh, Long Hunter. Mm-hmm. In leftover CPM3V that he had from his kids' work. Well, does Dan have to buy some new machines to uh, to make that happen? No, because because he is tooled up to work with the S35 yeah. DN. Um, the the 3V is actually a little less hard to work with mm-hmm. than what is than that. Oh, so, cool. I think if this goes well and we put enough pressure on him, mm-hmm. I can get Dan to start making the rest of the dogwood knives available, or at least some of them available in the 3v steel as well very cool which is my favorite knife steel which is why i'm pressuring it <laughs> make it happen well awesome man i can't wait to uh to see what with dan and, and dan and son dan and sons there's a new knife company for you there you go all right and down it down it well hey man what else we got going on today well i have a little gear pick related to my weekend all right shoot well, you know what? Actually, we haven't told you. We haven't talked about our weekend yet because that was on the first recording of this. Yeah, when the computer crapped the bed. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess we should do. Well, first off, let, let's do the regular news and news and stuff. Um, you know, guys. Uh, recently, we we missed a couple episodes where we apologize uh, a little bit. That's uh, that's on me, and then and then it was on Robbie, and then it was back on me. I had some uh, pretty severe chest infection uh, started back in February, February seventeenth. I was actually at work and. Pack it up along, and my lieutenant pulled me aside, and he's like, uh, "You need to go home." And I, and I was like, and "I was like, no, I'm good." He's like, "No, no, no, that wasn't a question. <laughs> you, <laughs> you need to go home right now." And I'm like, "But LT," he's like, "No, no you have a good no, one. I'm, I'm not catching what you've got. Yeah, wagon, yeah. go home." Well, you know what? I he ended up I ended up getting him sick too. I think, um, but it, you know, it's, something just hit this area up here. Uh, even the doc said it. So I went to the doc once. They gave me antibiotics. I went back to the doc. They gave me some steroids and some other spray. But I ended up losing my voice not once but twice. I mean, to the point where I was like talking like Don Corleone. Um, it was it was horrible. So the last time we were pl- planning on recording the podcast, I I called Robbie up and he could barely make out what I was saying. Um, so we we uh, we pushed it back. And I feel your LT's pain. Adam, uh, you know what? That, that day you called me, you're like, "So you want to do this?" And I'm Dude, like, "Are you kidding?" My my lieutenant never call like he never calls out sick. He's got like two thousand hours of sick leave. He can take off a whole year and be fine. It's like he's he's really he's big into that. Well, but he you know all his kids are older. He's a, he's kind of a health nut. You know what I mean? Uh, not so he's not I'm, bringing the germs home. He's not bringing the germs. He's the kind of guy that gets, you know, I do this too, gets to the office and, you know, shares, he only shares his desk with one of the person. I share my desk with like 16 people, you know, throughout the, the, the platoons and the shift changes and whatever. Somebody's in there writing a report. So he sprays down everything with Lysol and wipes everything down. And I do that too, but I've got three little kids all in elementary school. So it just seems like we can never get away from the germs. It's just a, a you know, so it sucks. But anyway, I ended up, he ended up getting sick as well. Uh, and, but he, he actually already had leave plans, so he wasn't hurt that bad, but, so guys, we're back, sorry for that, it's, it's, it's taking a toll on video production, of course, because I can't talk, and then, um, when you can't talk, there's just no use in making a video, you know, you don't, you guys don't want to see me raspy throat, and the mic's picking up the wheezing and everything, and coughing, so we're back, 
and uh, we'll have some a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, uh, cameraman Mark is actually coming up here a little bit later. Robbie, we're gonna get together about noon today, and oh, man, I'm out in the him. field, man. Yeah, man. Oh, Mark's awesome people. So besides that, uh, we got a couple new videos out. We are doing a giveaway with the Machax, the BK4. Um, very, uh, you know, great blade. There was one that you know we we uh, we ended up getting a cup. We ended up getting a, a section of, of of Becker's from uh, from K Bar, and uh, Ethan actually uh, he actually gave me one uh, personally. And I think we bought one from Sean too at Edgeworks at one point because we, we, before while we were waiting for because uh, I think I had three at one time. I can't I can't be sure of that I know we gave one away previously. I think I gave one away at a uh, event. And so I have this last one that uh, that was that that was given me personally by Ethan, and we want to do a, a, a new giveaway. This way, it's kind of a you know you can enter for free uh, if you want to you know mail in your entry and everything. But uh, it's a micro it's a micro raffle type thing. So if you pay for a ticket for one cent, that, that way we can cover all the shipping internationally. So what's going to happen? We'll send it to Fair Play. When they pick a random winner, they'll ship it out, and you guys are good to go. They're actually going to mail me a. Uh, a little package sticker for UPS or FedEx or whatever, and I slap it in a box, and then it's gone. And that way, everybody wins. And uh, what started this is, you know, wife and I have been working on the house. We've been going through some stuff, doing the purge. After living together for 10 years, you collect a lot of stuff. And one of the things that she kind of got out on me is boxes and boxes of knives and camping gear that I don't use anymore. So I thought it would be pretty cool to start, you know, giving some stuff to you guys. Uh, some guys out there that need some equipment, and I thought this would be a great way to uh, to go to go about it. Now, Robbie did call me up when I announced this and said, "Hey, man, what the heck? I thought I had first dibs." So he has not gotten up here yet to go through and start, you know, uh, plundering the the stash. I, I'm scared of what's <laughs> getting given away because I left stuff in some of the training boxes up there. And figured, <laughs> you know. I, I don't use it that much. I, I'm more going to use it when we train students. So I'll just leave it here. So uh, if you get something as a giveaway that's got my initials on it, call me and let me know, folks. <laughs> don't worry, guys. I'm still going to give it away. If it's, been, if it's been in a box for over a year, we don't need <laughs> if it. If I haven't that's missed my... it in a year, I'm not yeah, going to miss it. That is my rule, man. I, I have that... I have a rule. I have, my my rule is the year. If you don't use something, and, it, and and this goes without reason. I mean, this is not like you know something to maintenance your house or something like that. But if if something doesn't happen in a year, and you don't, you probably don't need it anymore. You know, just th thin thin the collection of junk. I think so. the only thing in the knife boxes and the gear boxes that I want to keep would be my uh, Buck One Nineteen Specials in there. Yeah, I'm not giving that away. Okay, because that was a gift from someone yeah. else. Yeah. I, I, dude, I, I'm not going to give away any of your stuff unless I find something. I'm like, hey, man, do you want to give this away? And you say, yeah, well, then we'll do it. We'll pull the trigger on that. I think the buck is the only thing you, you probably I, I do, give away. I do need to – I do want to do a big ticket knife at the end of this. So probably one of my, my you know, nicer blades that – you know, but it's hard to choose. It's hard to choose. It is. It's very so, hard. And I got to. I got to figure that one out. But speaking of nice blades, I did get uh, Andy Roy's new uh, Bushfinger um, production blade, and also I got something from Carter Cutlery. Very beautiful blade. Uh, I guess I don't even know how. He, is it the the not the Kajiki? That doesn't. That's not right. It's it's whatever the word is for a blue mar. The Japanese word for a blue marlin. Um, 
So it's it's a I very can't nice. I can't see the testing on that Carter Cutlery. You know what, man? I, I I will tell you, I have a lot of requests here recently. People want thirty good wax on a two by four, and I, I'm thinking that it's, I'm going to have to do it. It's going to have to happen. I'm not sure whether I like the thirty good wax on a two by four or not, but <laughs> I am interested in finding out whether that's a safe queen or not. Um, you know? I I want to I want to go out and do and do some old school E two E just just for you know, nostalgia purpose some old two E two E carving just put put the knife through some work. Yeah. So, but both of those blades. Um, you know, I I've had a lot of requests for that here recently. I haven't done it, so you know maybe it's time. And I'm feeling, you know, the, the the chest is starting to loosen up. I can get oxygen in there again, and uh, my voice is coming back. And then uh, I should be I should be good to go. It should be that should be a goal. So, and I guess we should mention that the fiddleback that you're going to be testing is one of Andy's production lines. Yeah, this is his first production line for his Bushfinger, and it's good because I have a a custom Bushfinger. So I thought that'd be really cool that I can show the differences between the production blade and the uh, the custom. And actually, you know what? I'm I'm actually pretty. I'm pretty happy for Andy in regards to to this concept because, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't get to partake in knives from from guys like Andy or guys like Dan, um, who are custom knife makers whose products. I mean, you guys got to realize that the price point isn't where it's at because somebody arbitrarily said, "Oh, you know what? I want to make this make make a four hundred dollar knife and sell it for four hundred dollars." I mean, the materials and the hours that go in. I mean, what does Dan spend like four hours on just his ha- shaping his handles minimum? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, four. I mean, and he's an artisan. I mean, if 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 you just think about what you get your hourly rate is, and if you were spending four hours just on shaping one of these one of these handles, I mean, that's that's a lot of time and effort. That and that is not. That's that not, not counting the, grinding the blade. Oh yeah, that's just one part of it, or pinning it, or what. I mean, I'm talking about four hours of sand, sandpaper in his hand, you know, uh, or I should say, sanding the handles, not shaping them, because uh, shaping them is is other as other stuff. So just sanding those handles. So, you know, back to my original concept. It's kind of cool that you have a production blade that has, you know, some of the blade geometry, some of the design, some of the features that these custom makers are making, but they're, they're producing it in a way that, you know, somebody can go pick it up for, for a pretty, a pretty significant price reduction. I mean, are you, are you losing some of the, the special quality of it as well? A little bit. I mean, it's not a custom handmade blade anymore. It's a production blade, but you know, you still kind of get your cake and eat it too. You get a great blade and you get it at a a much more economic price. Well, yeah. And this is one of those things, Adam, I say it and, and I may have half the community giving me dirty emails after this, but it's the truth whether people want to admit to it or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is that the average user, their skill set and the Mm -hmm. volume of time they spend with that knife in hand using it, Mm -hmm. they don't have the ability to tell the difference in use between the high-end custom and the production model that's using the same exact design. Yep. The same general uh, uh, grind geometry. Mm -hmm. the, the, The same maker that designed that $400 custom knife Mm -hmm. if it's if he's copying that design for his production line you're still reaping the benefits of all the hours he spent refining a design so that it ran like a 
you know, high-end sports car and not an old jalopy. Well, you know, what? I, I, I was actually going to use the, the car analogy as well. It's it's almost I forget who who said it. Might have been Noka who said this to me. I, I want to say it. It was it was some wise words. I don't know why I'm associating that with Noka, but we'll leave that alone. But you know, somebody said you know knives knives in the average person is kind of like your daily commute to work. You know, you got your Corvette. You know, which is an $80,000 car, which is, it has some luxury, it's comfortable and everything. But for the most part, if you're stuck in, you know, rush hour traffic every day and you're bumper to bumper, you're still going to get you to work. You know, you can't even use that performance. Yeah, a your, Toyota Camry would yeah, do the same thing for Exactly. You. A Toyota Camry will do the same thing. Or, you know, a Lexus, a $40,000 car. Right. You know, so you got your $20,000 car, your $40,000 car, and your $80,000 car. And whatever purpose you're using it for, a majority of people are just going to use it to get from home to work. And they're not, they're not going to have an option to use that performance. And I thought that's a pretty good analogy. You know, now, it does, we do come back to this point over and over again. If you are a knife collector and you, and you are buying it for your collection because that's your hobby, that's what you're into, nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with that. Or if that's, you're a daily user where, yeah. where you're actually going to develop the skill set or already have the skill set to be able to tell microscopic differences you know, that the average person wouldn't, sure. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Very good point. So, it just, it's some in, it's interesting. Well, we really got off, off that subject, didn't uh, we? I like it's, it. Hey, it's a rant about being honest with yourself, which is kind of <laughs> kind of our thing anyway. Yeah. So, speaking of uh, interesting news, uh, Robbie, you want to jump on some of the knife designs that you haven't seen in a while that are starting to creep back into the public? Yeah, there's a, there's a neat trend that I'm seeing now. That uh, we again we haven't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. but seems to be getting popular again, and I welcome it back with open arms. Uh, and that is knives, survival knives with a good hammer pommel. Mm-hmm. If we think back to the old U.S. Air Force, the Ontario still makes one model four ninety nine, I think four ninety yeah. something. Anyway, uh, the old Air Force survival knife had that big honking solid pommel on it. Yeah. And and I like that as a place to you know put it in the palm of your hand to to do some work, mm-hmm. uh, or or tap it on a, a some acorns to bust them up, you know that type of thing. Not been seeing that in the last few years. Well, just like recently this year, twenty fifteen, I've noticed two uh, players in in the market. Both are coming out. Condor has one. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, Buck Knives has a new survival knife that has a, a hammer pommel. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about the Buck one. And, although I'm, I'm going to bet, and I haven't got a price on the Condor yet, yeah. the Condor is likely going to be able to come in less expensive than the Buck, but I don't know that for certain yet. Well, I, I, I bet with the Condor, the street price probably thirty-five, forty, wouldn't you think? Probably, and the Buck Street price is going to be about fifty-five. Yeah, I, I do have one of the Bucks pre-ordered. So awesome! Yeah, and awesome. What, what, it's five. Is it five eighty-one? Is that the model? Uh, why don't you ask me a question? I don't know an answer to. <laughs> uh, and the Condor is what is the name of the Condor model? I had it here before. This the Buck happens. is the six eighty-three. Six eighty-three. 581, 683, that wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all numbers. Who needs math? Yeah. Uh, and, and the the condor is the final the final frontier. The final frontier. Yeah. Both hands 
uh, both handsome pieces. Um, so you know what I, I, you know, here we go again. It's funny how we're seeing these trends. I, I think we are seeing a trend to a more economic kind of daily use knife. Um, maybe that's the new black. Is 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 some of these hard use knives that the ergonomics are there, the cutting geometry is there, and the price point is at a real reasonable pr- price. Where not only is this a good starter knife for people, but it might be an economical choice for a workhorse. Well, and I think I think Adam, your your terminology of the evolution is exactly right. You know, uh, five six years ago, the evolution of durability was definitely happening with knives like the BK2. Yeah, yeah. almost nigh on indestructible knife blade, but yeah. it was a quarter inch thick and it's a heavy beast. Yeah. So then we evolved from there into more of the bushcraft knives. Mm-hmm. Lighter, more delicate. You know, a lot of Scandi grinds going on. You know, uh, real slicers. Yeah. And now we're kind of bringing in a little from both worlds, and evolving into, uh, I think, like you said, a more of a a durable daily user. It, it's got to have elements from both to to be successful in this market. Absolutely, absolutely. So I don't. It'd be interesting. I I can't wait. It. it it is the first blade that I've seen in a while, the buck, that I'm like, you know, you, you said something to me about it. It really sparked my interest because I'm like, you know what, we, we need, we've needed this for a while. We've needed this kind of, kind of, you know, really moderately priced. You know, the 420, you know, you and I talked about it, if, if buck is going gonna, is gonna to have the, everything in place to really knock out the heat treat on that because that can be a tricky heat treat. And, you know, they did have some problems, what do you say, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I think it, probably 15 now Yeah, and quality it, control. Yeah, um, they might have. They definitely got into a better spot. So, and and you know, a lot of people poo poo on the the four hundred series steels. Yeah, and granted, they're not going to be a CPM steel. <laughs> they're just not. Yeah. But if we're again being honest with ourselves, and we decide whether we as an end user are going to ever be able to get the performance out of it, this there. Mm-hmm. You know, if I lack the skill to be able to get the performance of a CPM steel out of the knife, mm-hmm. then a 400 series steel can probably do everything I need to do. Uh, but like you said, the question is, can the knife manufacturer heat treat the 400 series steel so they don't screw it up? It It is a terrible, terrible steel once the heat treat screwed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is... <laughs> 400 series steel is about as big a piece of garbage as it can possibly be if they don't get the heat treat right. Mm-hmm. But if they get the heat treat right, it can be a very economical but quality steel. Yep. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So, Buck, uh, the ball's in your court. We'll see we what sh- you do. We shall see. Uh, Sean's got one pre-ordered for me, so as soon as it gets into Edgeworks, uh, I will be picking it up, sir. Where our buddy over there at Able to Survive, Scholar, has got just got one in his hands. Uh, so new, as a matter of fact, that his video on it, uh, I posted a link in the notes. His video is kind of a, a preview video mm. uh, because he hadn't, actually hadn't had time to test it other than, you know, cutting a box in the house type thing. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, actually, I'm actually I'm going to Edgeworks today, so he might have... He, he might, might have, have it. He might have it in, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll, you know, have have a chance to do some videos with 
the showing as well. That'd be pretty cool. All right, so uh, next on the list, Robbie. Man, this this podcast is flying. You know, it's flying by the second the second run. Yeah, when you do do things twice, <laughs> you get better at it the second time. You know, so I, I'm going to start using this computer uh, from 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 the jump. I'm not messing with my laptop with anything. I just got too much stuff on my laptop. Man. I, I mean, think we're probably still screwing up a lot, Adam. We're just doing it at a quicker pace. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. We seem more fluid in, in our screw-ups. You know what it is? It's Dan's not here. Just gumming up the works with his, I, I, with his jokes. I like Dan not being here every once in a while. Like I said, it's, it's the only time we have to plot against him. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, Robbie He's and I got... He's a powerful in... force when you have to face him face-to-face. That's right. That's right. Face him face-to-face. Yeah, that's... Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> never mind. I'm gonna leave it alone. Um, we we got into a discussion a couple, I mean, maybe a week or two ago. This is between times that I could talk or I yeah. couldn't talk, and uh, you know, it usually happens. We have these awesome discussions, you know, really, really great points and really good thinkers, and then we'll be like, oh yeah, write write down a note for that so we can do it on the podcast, and then we don't, and we don't, you know, then we got nothing to talk about when it's time to hit the record button. But we were we were talking about. Packs and and Robbie was making a comment about you know we need to make a pack design that does X Y and Z and it kind of fell in fell in line with with something I was thinking about and you know recently I've got a bag pack that I'm doing a test on I've, I've been testing out a while a while for a while now it's it's a van it's a larger um, I think it's called the Ibex from Ibex thirty from VanQuest and it's it's an interesting pack and I think again. VanQuest makes these very protective packs that are really good for cameras and gear like that. Uh, so if you're going out and doing some adventuring and you want to bring some higher-end gear that you want to protect, they make some awesome bags for that. But I was thinking, I know I had this pack just loaded to bear for, for my you know week-long camping trip that I'm getting ready to, to take. And it's you know it's a heavy, it's heavy, it's bulky, it has a lot of it's it, a lot of snag points if I'm walking through the woods or whatever. And there's some areas that I like to go camping at, a little private, you know, kind of don't tell anybody where I'm at area. Well, I, I, my wife knows where I'm at, but I'm like, it's, it's a secret, secluded little private space where I don't have to be worried about any riffraff or anything like that. But it's it the topography is kind of treacherous. You know, there's some very, very steep hills. You're talking and, about the gully. I am. There's some very steep hills, and it's it's quite a hike to get out of it. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's not for somebody who's not, you know, you, you gotta be in some good shape and you gotta know your gear and you gotta be, you know, you could twist an ankle or roll down a hill or get stuck pretty easily. So it's, there's some danger involved. And, and I was thinking, it's like, man, these packs, you know, one of the most dangerous times for these things is a putting them on and putting them off. I've got a lower back injury. That's when you're going to throw your back out is when you initially either, you know, throw it on and you, you twist the wrong way or you're taking it off and you twist the wrong way after you've been tired. And it's something to think about. And the other thing is, is it just throws your center of center of gravity off. It throws your balance off. You know, if you're if you're going through some some brush, um, some heavy brush, it just increases your snag points. And I'm starting to think and look back to what people were doing back in the days. And just, you know, people wore a lot of their mandatory gear on their person, and any anything that they needed that extra that wasn't part of their shelter system, you know, they probably had a shoulder bag or some kind of haversack. That could move with them. They could shift shift the weight or whatnot if they needed to. And the other thing, it was not really an issue to take it off. Or if they needed to get into it, you know, let's say you're doing a, a, a couple mile hike and I need to get into something or grab a snack or whatever. I don't have to sling this bag on and off again. I can just open that bag right right then and there where I'm standing and do what I need to do and then get back on the trail. Um, 
And so th- this was a conversation we started talking about, you know, when did the backpack culture really take off? Because backpacks have been around for, you know, thousands of years probably. But when were they really utilized, you know, with people who were, you know, migration-based people, you know, when they were actually moving one campsite or permanent place they were living to another? And when I say permanent, I mean, you know, as permanent as they, they get, were, they were whatever season. Yeah. They were migratory people. So when yeah. they had to migrate from one hunting ground to another or mm-hmm. or one herding, if, if they were herders and they were had to move their flock from one location to another or whatever, they, they were actually moving their entire home. But they also had beasts of burden. You know, they also had, you know, were using different systems. In regards to who would be hauling the stuff if they weren't by themselves, and what I'm trying to say is, that even if you go and set up your base camp, you're not going to carry your backpack around loaded with everything once your base camp set up. You're going to you're, you're going to break down your kit to whatever acceptable levels, and you're going to have a smaller kit that's going to go out while you navigate wherever you're navigating to come back to your base kit. And you might have emergency supplies to make up a a quick shelter for that evening, but you're you're going to plan on coming back to that main shelter. So that was a discussion, you know, and and. You know, and should we be looking at backpacks that are more modular? That you know, we can dump our our sleep system and everything else, and then have a smaller haversack or or you know, multi-purpose bag that is that is a better setup. And you know, for years I was using that SaberCat. That was like a waste uh, system. I I refined my gear to something small. I've kind of dumped that bag as I updated my harness system, and figured out that that thing's just the por- proportions of that and the way it. The way it was uh, loaded out just wasn't as good. But when, you know, what do you think of all that, Robbie? Well, I think, uh, you know, we've seen uh, Madison Parker yeah. uses an H harness set up mm-hmm. with a small uh, a, a butt pack, mm-hmm. you know, set up. And, and he goes out for three days to a week with that set up with no problem. Three, three days to three weeks. And uh, I think another valid point. Mm-hmm. about the large pack is the large pack has weight itself yeah. just empty with none of your kit in it the large pack itself has weight what value is the weight of that pack bringing you once you get to camp yeah you take your stuff out of it and there you've got three to six pounds of pack sitting there which is three to six pounds of of pack you toted out there yep that does nothing but sit there until you're ready to go home. Yep. Um, so I, I think there, I think there is a lot of argument to refining things to the point that the majority of your your kit is actually on your person. You know, and and you mentioned the, you know, what happened way back when. If we go back to the the mountain men and the long hunters and the explorers of that time, mm-hmm. you know, not only were they carrying a lot of stuff on their belt. As far as uh, like knife and and that type of thing, but there was also the idea of a possible's pouch. Yeah, you know their their survival gear, if you will, it, their, their most important items were were never further than their waist, you know, away from them. Um, and, and a lot of their clothing by that point had started developing, especially shirts, you know, and things had pockets and pouches, and even even beyond that backups to their emergencies uh would often be carried in inside the the brim of their hat yeah you know so there was that mentality was was well used of of keeping those items on your person and then like you said the supplementary items is what would be carried in their 
their bags. Absolutely. It's just it's it's very it's very interesting if you start looking at it from that that perspective. Um and you know, most of the backpacking nowadays they're on pre cut trails. You know, people aren't really, you know, going through uncharted woods. You, know, right. you have you have hiking trails that you're trying to do or you have a specific type of outdoor activity and it's not necessarily the bushcrafting or, or the the survival training and i know we do focus on a lot of bushcrafting because that's what we like to do we like to go out there and you know take it take a uh, take the only amount of stuff that we need or practice with without using some of the stuff that we take because we're trying to focus on some different skills well from a personal standpoint adam i'm not i'm not doing the 40 mile long long distance hikes that that a lot of those bigger hiking yeah. type backpacks are for you know i'm i'm two to three miles from camp yeah and i'm probably going to stop five to ten times on the way to camp to to look at a new creek or or look at this fungus on a tree or collect some tinder or do this or do that you know i'm going to make lots of little stops on the way and then once i get to camp mm-hmm. i'm gonna you know I'm going to be staying there, but I'm going to be exploring, you know, a hundred yards to to five hundred yards from that central point mm-hmm. in various directions, looking around and and pulling supplies to you know from nature to build stuff and and enjoy my time out there. I, again, I'm not going to need that backpacking style pack. It, yeah. It's just not a part of what I do. I mean, the only the only other thing that I was thinking about and and. It like this how the system works the best too is like when we're out with Madison and we do we do some hunting you know we're doing like squirrel hunting or something it's it's the same thing you're not gonna throw your big old backpack and we'll be out I mean damn you know we we hunted in the field that whole day and then we went for pheasants and then we went and did squirrel hunting all afternoon you know what I mean and into the early evening I mean how how long were we away from camp uh, long enough for me to build a proper fire pit make two pots of coffee and when you got back i was sitting with my feet up smoking a nice cigar uh several <laughs> that, hours you were gone that, that the was the, that, hunt. that was yeah, yeah that was the evening hunt yeah absolutely the, the morning hunt i don't know it it drug on and drug on the dogs until the dogs were too tuckered to run birds yeah and you know we were going through some pretty some pretty rough terrain um you know we were out we were out you know wherever we saw saw the game i mean that was where you know and and having a backpack in that situation would have been detrimental and because let me tell you you, that's one thing i can say about going out with madison you're gonna sleep good in the woods because that dude will have you so tuckered out by the time it's dark i mean man as soon as it got dark we sit around you know drink a couple beers eat some dinner sing a couple songs and everybody be be done so that one night that you know you and you and mark kept on pouring the whiskey that was that was cruel. I was still done shortly thereafter. I just <laughs> left camp and went and slept in the woods. <laughs> oh man, that was a good time though. We gotta do that again here soon. So it's interesting. Uh, you know, the the one thing that you were we were talking about before is you know what what haversack or what pack out there do I think really is fitting my purposes? And I have to say I haven't found one yet. Um, it, I've got all, a couple ideas. I'm gonna shoot you. Well, well, you know what? I was thinking. I was like, you know what? And we were talking about nylon versus canvas. We're gonna get in that conversation maybe after in the in the extended section here because we're almost out of time for the regular podcast. So if you guys are are, are uh, E2E website members, um, stay tuned. If you're listening to this on on the website, 
uh, we'll have we'll have a bonus section here. Um, but I, I'm almost thinking about getting some material and actually just planting this bag out and sewing it myself. Um, I, you know, remember when uh, Uncle I would Ethan like had to his see that. Uncle Ethan had his uh, had his um, kit that his bag that he made, mm-hmm. um, something like that, but a little a little bit bigger in regards to the volume and carry, but flatter as well. Okay. Well, before we run out of time, let me knock out my gear pick real quick. Oh, do it. Uh, this weekend, we actually had an opportunity uh, with some sunshine and, and no rain or snow or sleet or hail or anything like that for me and my kid to get out and do some uh, training and, and just uh, brushing up his skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked on getting water boiled from nature. Mm-hmm. Um, building a fire, collecting your water, boiling the water, and, and, and safety aspects of getting the container in and out of the fire, that type of thing. These are important things that, as adults, we may do without a second thought, you know. It, it's trained in us to be careful around that fire when we're getting stuff in and out of it. To a kid, this is stuff that I see, uh, it's worth practicing. Mm. Um, and... He, he did a great job, by the way. Had a great weekend. We, we really, uh, he, he impressed me with his, his skill set coming along. Kids do seem to learn so much faster than we do. Yeah, they do. Um, but I, I was watching him use his container, and, and I put it down as my gear pick of the week because I realized, you know, there's a whole lot of survival. Him at, at 11 years old, there's a whole lot of survival that he can do with that little tiny container and the stuff that we've put in it for him. Mm -hmm. And that container is the uh, 475 milliliter or 0.475 milliliter MSR stowaway pot. Yeah. Just like the larger ones that other people use, you see bushcrafters and survivalists using, they're larger. This one is only about two cups. Okay. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but... You boil twice, and you got a whole liter of water. Yeah, that's true. Know? And for a child whose body, whose frame is just not that big yet, you know, how do you put on them a full kit? How do you put them on, put on them a fire kit? Mm-hmm. You know, and inside that container is, is large enough that I can put him in there a reliable way to initiate a fire, some emergency tender. And a, I, I choose between a, um, depending on what time of the year it is, a, a mylar space, base blanket or a disposable uh, poncho. Mm-hmm. Well, all fit in that little tiny tin. Mm-hmm. And yet it's a container that, when opened out, is got a two-cup boiling apparatus with a fairly long handle, which is great for him not getting his hands in the fire. You know what would be awesome? I don't know if this is feasible. But putting that, taking that MSR, finding a, a metal plate, this is, this is going to be an important part of it, that's about a, maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit bigger than, than the, uh, the MSR, something that can go on there, and then weaving like a little 550 cord basket with a snap, you know, and then throwing that on a harness that, that can, he, can, he can put around his back. Well, I can't tell you that it's going to work yet, okay? Mm-hmm. But I just talked to Matthew Gillenwater a couple of days. You know, I ta- told you I, I um, found out he's making the sheaths for yeah. Dan yeah. Uh, for the new knife. Uh, the reason for the, my conversation with him was I was talking with him on his uh, the sporin pouches. 
he makes uh, sporins, sporin, however you pronounce that. Um, and I'm thinking that his small pouch is mm-hmm. just big enough if you put it in the right direction for that tiny stowaway pot. Yeah. And and, and so I, I've got Matt sending me one. I'm going to check it out. And if it fits, that's going to be, allow me to be able to put my kid's fire kit, a, a, one, a piece of sheltering um, material in there, and his boiling, water boiling device on his side. That's awesome. On his belt. Uh, and to be able to do that, sure. Do I expect him to grow out of this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do, do I expect him to maybe want a, a larger uh, boiling pot, you know, within the next few years? Yeah. But for a child or somebody who only wants to carry, look, I, I'm not, I've never had a survival situation. I'm going to be in a state park. I don't, even if I got in a survival situation, what's the maximum? 24 hours, 48 hours that, you know, before somebody would find me. Yeah. They, they just need the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's an awesome opportunity there, I think. And not only that, dude, but there's something else, is it's getting him interested in it. Oh, yeah. You know, he thinks it's the best thing since sliced oh. bread. He's got his little kid. I mean, dude. He's you know, too young. He's too young to listen to the podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell this because it would probably embarrass him uh, if he was an older guy. But uh, we came in, you know, from from working uh, on on our skills, and of course, uh, I teach him to be a good steward of his own equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you go out and you use this stuff. You bring it in, you clean it. Yeah. You know, and uh, after after we got his pot cleaned up good, we coated the outside with some uh, dish soap and let it dry, mm-hmm. so that you know the next time it would be easier to clean. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dad, why, why didn't we do this the first time? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if somebody else saw your kit, would you want it looking all pretty and shiny um, like you've never used it? Or would you want people seeing that kit and it's got some stains on it, it's got some character to it, and they immediately know you're a man of the woods? <laughs> and, it, and he looks at me and goes, well, we both know I'm a man of the woods. <laughs> I said, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but it's just so cute seeing this little eleven year old boy, you know, with with smut on his face from the fire and all going, We both know I'm a man of the woods. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, you know, Kara's got her little bag and you know it's it's it, it's in an area that's kinda of stashed away because I do have there are knives in that bag, so her little sisters don't mess with it. I can trust her with not going in there and playing with that. She's a good listener with that. And she brought it out the other day. Pam and I are working at the uh the kitchen table and she's like, I really want to play with my bag right now. I just want to get, I just want to open up so I can remember everything that's in here. I was like, I was like, sweetheart, you go right ahead. And she, she pulled everything out and was looking at everything, kind of inspecting everything. And she's just like, oh, I can't wait till we can go camping. I was like, we're going to go camping soon. The weather's going to be good and, and it'll be warm enough for us to go out there. Yeah. She's, she's super excited as well, man. I just can't, I can't wait. And so I'll tell you guys and, and girls listening, it, it's, you get them to start appreciating their gear and, and, and treating their gear right and whatnot. It's just, it's a great lesson. And it's just a great activity for the family. I'm I'm really excited about about where we're going to go with that here really soon. So, anyway, with that said, um, we're running out of time for the uh, the normal section of the podcast. 
if uh, every once in a while, guys, we'll, you know, Robbie and I, when we have some more to talk about, we'll do a little extended uh, extended section uh, on the E2E website. If you guys aren't a member to the E2E website, log in to www.equiptoendure.com. Sponsor us, become a member, at very low price, a couple pennies a day to a couple of dollars a year. We have great additional content, including our forum, article, blogs, additional training videos. The website more is more focused on education experience, also being able to you know share your videos, share your uh, pictures as well, um, and just the community that we're building on there. It's really great. We're really happy with it. It's it's uh, been building up here for a while and. We're super, super excited about the, the individuals we have there. We just really can't speak highly enough about the guys. Just a great team, and it's it's exceeded our expectation with the community that we're building. So if you want to get on, guys, join today. And, of course, you also get a little bonus uh, episode of the podcast every once in a while. We're trying to do that more consistently. And as long as uh, we stay in good health, I don't think that should be a problem. Right, Robbie? Yeah, if we, if we can manage not to die of chest colds, <laughs> we'll be all right. All right, guys, so if you guys have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at equiptoendore.com. And, uh, of course, we'll be back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. We try to shoot for Fridays at 1 p.m., so uh, stay tuned there. You can catch us on, of course, iTunes and uh, Blog Talk Radio. If you are listening to us on iTunes, uh, do us a favor. Go over there and give us a five-star rating. Leave a comment. I really appreciate that. That helps us. you know, get a little more traction and, and more people come and check out the podcast. It helps out a lot. And if you enjoy, enjoy the podcast, let us know. You know, send us some stuff that you want to talk about or some guests that you want to hear from. And, of course, hopefully next week Dan will be back. And I guess this this episode will be going public uh, while we're at, at uh, either I'm driving to Practice You Preach or I'm already there. So uh, stay, you know, stay tuned for that. We'll have some information coming back from that and how, how, what a great time we had. So uh, for all of you guys, thanks for listening. And for you guys who are on the E2E website, stay tuned. We'll have some more on this after after the credits. You guys take care. Be safe out there. And remember, if you're not always prepared, you're never prepared. Thanks. Say say goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Robbie. Unless you're on the E2E website. Unless you're on the E2E website. (laughs) Then tune in for the debate on canvas versus nylon tarps. Where does that argument fall apart? I guess we should have told them about that. I I just did. Later, fellas.